a lot of people of color don't got time to think about climate change. They got other things to worry about, like racism and prejudice and discrimination. So like climate change and saving the environment isn't on top of mind all the time for them. And that's understandable. You're like, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to worry about that because I'm trying to not, you know, die today. We're recording, right? Yes. Uh, just asking before our guest arrives, making sure it's working. I'm on the app so I can see. I didn't. Oh, there you are. <gasps> okay. Leah. Hi. Hi. Can you oh hear me? Sorry, I'm yes. late. I run on CP time, so. Girl, <laughs> I was actually going to make that joke like 10 minutes ago, and then I was like, let me not. <laughs> Let me not. So I did it for you. Yeah, girl, I was running late, but I'm here now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So before we have introductions, just real quick, this is the fourth episode of our podcast and our Mm -hmm. first guest on the pod. We're talking about climate change and environmentalism today. And I have never met our guest. So this is my first time meeting our guest, Leah Harris. Leah Harris. Hello. Hi. Nice I've to meet you. Lot. Nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you, but I have not met you. So well, it is nice to meet you. Yeah, COVID kind of threw a wrench in that, didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but we're here now. Thank you for coming. Thank but you we're for here now. Putting your time yeah. in. Thank you for you really like you gave us a bomb outline to go off of since yes. Uh, you Thank know. you so much. Oh, yeah. I just kind of, I, I thought it was kind of lacking. So I last minute put that together, but I'm glad that I gave you all some ideas. Yes, you are fabulous. I'm so excited. I knew when we were like dumping ideas of what we wanted to talk about when we first started this podcast, we were like, oh, definitely exhausted by climate change. And I was like, I think we need to bring in my friend Leah because Homegirl has been thrifting for as long as I've known her. She has been conscious about sustainability she has her own instagram page for sustainability i was like we need to bring leah harrison it's time it's time to (laughs) to pull out our lethal weapon (laughs) yes thank you for thinking of me i appreciate it wait so real quick how obviously i am just meeting leah for the first time how do you two know each other Okay, actually, I'm, I'm really excited to tell this story. Okay, tell the story. So, Leah and I have a really funny. You remember the day that we met, Leah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so it was at Marquette. They do this thing called like freshman preview, where like over the summer you go on campus and you like learn about your major that you're like thinking about going into, and then they tell you like an outline of what your four years are gonna look like, and then you have the option to like stay in the dorms, or um, you can like go back home or whatever, but. I was staying in the dorms and like at the very beginning of um, preview, I was like panicking, you know, I'm an introvert. So like, I'm not going to like talk to strangers. So I like sat next to Leah or it was like, I sat next to an empty chair and Leah sat down next to me. Mm -hmm. Either way, we were two literal random strangers sitting next to each other um, during freshman preview. And I was like, we weren't talking to each other. And I was like, I feel like I should say something to this girl. So I was like, Hey, I like your phone case. (laughs) What was it? Do you remember? No, I don't even remember. It was like some like colorful. Oh like, yeah, it's 2015 or something. something probably yeah. colorful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, thank goodness you said something because I was not about to say anything to you. 
like I'm shy too yeah so we both we started talking like that and then we like hung out the entire night which was really fun literally just for me saying I like your phone case and then over the summer my uh freshman roommate Michaela was in um the same like scholarship program as Leah at Marquette and so they were both staying in one of the dorms over the summertime so then I ran into you again like over the summer when I was visiting Michaela and then um we were in the same major like I don't even know if we ever discovered that we were in the same major but it wasn't until like I think we had a class together or something mm-hmm. and like a year and a half later Leah was like or like two years later we weren't really friends like freshman and sophomore year but like at the end of sophomore year Leah and I were in a class together and she was like oh I heard you're an RA in Kobe and I just got hired in Kobe and I was like what that's so cool and it was like so exciting because like I, we kind of knew each other and we kind of didn't so it was perfect. So me and Leah worked together for all of our junior year. And yeah, were you, no, you weren't in our senior year. You went, you moved back home. No, nah. Yeah. I stopped doing that, <laughs> <laughs> but we stayed friends. We were interns together um, at Milwaukee <gasps> oh Neighborhood News Service. I was doing journalism. That's, yeah. I thought that's really our thing. That, that is. How did I forget us. about that? Yeah. You're fake. Like that's our <laughs> thing. <laughs> I think that's what, really brought us together and made us closer yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. Wow, what a beautiful story <laughs> yeah that's a good story <laughs> um so yes we're excited to have you we actually you are our first of two leah harrises that are going to make an appearance on this podcast the other mm-hmm. one is going to join us hopefully within the next month or so yeah <laughs> yeah I, i've heard that there's it's another infamous Leah Harris. So yeah. oh, not I, infamous, not infamous. She's famously she's a lot yeah. of things. Just <laughs> as iconic, just as beautiful, oh, just as amazing, black. amazing, <laughs> just as black. Emphasis on that. <laughs> okay, great. So um, we can get right into our discussion. However, we should inform our listeners that Ely and I got fully vaccinated today. <gasps> amazing wait leah you're yeah, also flashback vac- to- are you fully vaccinated yeah i'm yeah oh, oh you are vaccinated yeah for a few weeks now so. look at us look at us Three vaccinated gang i'm pfizer what do you guys have pfizer pfizer, <laughs> pfizer gang <laughs> gang gang <laughs> it's oh so funny yeah I yeah, love it. yeah the owl the owl my arm hurts gang Mm-hmm. yes my I just lifted my arms like to party and I, I kind of felt it a little bit that like uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worth it though get it's vaccinated so yeah for sure yes. yeah get vaccinated you hoodlums actually starting next week I think uh all adults 16 and up so not adults but any humans 16 and up are eligible for the vaccine in Wisconsin which is amazing amazing yeah that is pretty cool I know here in Maryland it's still for the time being 60 and up but i think it's great because you know debbie she turned 60 on sunday so oh she's really God, she's debbie. really pumped to debbie's my mom by the way leah <laughs> um, uh, hey, also debbie. also a future guest on our podcast um oh love it love moms yeah. but she she turned 60 on sunday so she's like i'm gonna register on sunday i don't know when it's gonna be open to everyone 16 and up but go wisconsin yeah amazing all right should we get into it? Yes. So I would like to know just, I think, well, Leah, I'm not Leah, Ely. I, I read the word Leah. Ely wrote down, share a little bit about yourself. So 
I'm sure that both me, since I'm, I don't know you and our listeners would like to know where you fit into this topic. Obviously you're our guest this week for a reason. And Ely mentioned your social media um, focus. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have a Instagram account called um, at sustainable underscore Leah. And over quarantine, you know, everyone was kind of figuring out what's my quarantine hobby going to be? What should I do to occupy myself? And for me, sustainability, um, just having a green lifestyle, that's always been something that I've been very interested in. So over quarantine, I decided I'm going to commit myself to this. I made an Instagram account to keep myself accountable, to learn more and to share my journey and to kind of show that you have to start somewhere. Usually we see people who are like, I've been vegan for 10 years and I'm zero waste and I'm doing all of these amazing things, but how did you start? How did you get there? So I really wanted to document someone who is at the very beginning of their journey in sustainability. Um, It's just something I've always been very, interested in and specifically the intersections of environmentalism, climate change, and people of color, lower income people, because it's a very white movement. And it's also like, where do I as a Black woman fit into this space? Um, Because Black people, people of color, lower income people are the ones who are going to be most affected by climate change. And we see that time and time again. So I really wanted to start to learn and understand how can I help myself and help people like me as well? Because you often don't see that perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, Actually, one of the questions I wanted to ask was if you had like a a specific moment, like a, okay, no, this is it. Like I need to get it together type of moment or like, no, Mm -hmm. this is it. I need to do something about it. Because for me, I've been like trying to be more sustainable and like have like more of a con conscience. I don't know. As far mm-hmm. as like what products I'm using that I could easily replace like with sustainable options. And for me, the oh heck no moment was living with my parents and realizing how often they like take out the trash and like just mm-hmm. thinking about like how much waste the three of us were making and like how much of it was completely preventable. Like just reusing reusable bags, like buying bamboo paper towels and like things like that, like little things. And it just blew my mind. And I started feeling so guilty. So I want to know, like, if you had a moment like that. Mm -hmm. For me, about a year ago, I read an article about how poor neighborhoods, poor and predominantly neighborhoods of color are hotter than affluent neighborhoods they can be up to you know five to ten degrees hotter because rich neighborhoods have more trees and more parks and poor neighborhoods have more concrete and less trees and less parks and I was like wait that's crazy like in the same city one part of the city can be much hotter and who lives in that part of the city the poor people people of color like those are the expendable ones that are facing the the force of climate change but they're not centered in the stories about it 
at all. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. You know, you go to the suburbs, see all these beautiful trees and the beautiful lawns <laughs> and all the parks for the kids. And if you're in a poor neighborhood, you don't have that. It's just brick buildings, you know? And so it's so logical and it makes so much sense. And I never put that together. So I think for me, that environmental racism part is the part that really interested me. And that's what got me into it. And then from there, I kind of went from the kind of like collective larger piece to the smaller like individual things. And then from there, it was like, well, I do, you know, waste a lot. And I, I, I love thrifting. It's something I've always loved. And I'm like, I can tap into that more. And then learning about fast fashion for that, it kind of started very big and learning about just how bad fashion is for the planet and how much water it uses and how much it wastes and how we throw away so many so many clothes so kind of understanding the big systemic issues and then applying it to my individual life is kind of the way I went about it should we talk about the whole fast fashion because I think that's a very interesting point in the discussion when it relates to climate change and environmentalism Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I feel like fast fashion is such a touchy topic, kind of, because it points out so many problems that we have in the world. Uh, Clothes are expensive, you know, poor people got to look cute, too, and they deserve to look cute. But then at the same time, it's like, girl, why are we changing trends? Why, Why can you buy something today and then in a month it's not in style? anymore and then you're forced to throw it out like that also doesn't make sense that's also capitalism at work that's forcing people to feel like I need to shop 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 so I'm always in style and I'm always trendy so my perspective of fast fashion is it's not necessarily the fast fashion it's the overconsumption. it's how we shop so much like it's not the end of the day it's not the end of the world if you buy something from H&M or Forever 21. We're talking about, you're spending $500 a Shein? Girl. <laughs> I, lo- I lost it when you wrote in the outline, no ethical consumption under capitalism has been hijacked by people who do $500 Shein hauls, but can't say yes. they can't shop ethically. <laughs> I see like, that like all make, the time. Make it make sense. Like, no, it is definitely true. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but some options are more ethical than others. And I think there are ways you can shop fast fashion, but still be smart. Don't buy a shot, a, a, a top from Forever 21 with the pizza on it, because you're not gonna wanna wear that in two years. Whereas I have <laughs> things from H&M and Forever 21 that I've had since college and I still like, and they're just nice, simple, staple, pieces and if you take care of it it can last you know some years yeah Yeah. oh for sure for sure and like you said it's all about like buildable fashion like basic colors like things you know you're gonna wear again (laughs) them Mm -hmm. forever 21 shirts that'd be like (laughs) hashtag booty work like you're not gonna wear that (laughs) (laughs) but let's be honest too like some fast fashion is worse than others like I Mm -hmm. I I kind of when when some folks are like oh forever 21 that quality is shit I'm like yo no like Shein and wish are shit like those will actually fall apart in the washer machine 
Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Have, have y'all seen those TikToks of people who are like, I had fleas in my Shein order? Huh? Ew, what? No, I've heard what? about like blood stains and shit, which is equally gross. Yeah, it's like, which one's worse? I don't really know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, mm-hmm. Google it, Ely. Yeah, Google it. Oh it, my which God. Is crazy. Or so maybe like don't. Yeah, or don't. Yeah, it depends on uh, how you're feeling right now. But it's like, yeah, there's still a hierarchy of there are better options. Yeah. You know, buying, I'd rather spend 50 bucks at H&M and get some pretty, you know, decent pieces rather than $50 at Shein. And yeah, I got 10 shirts, but that shirt is like literally a piece of string and you're not going to wear it next summer. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think also maybe you might agree, but like, would you say that like overconsumption of like thrifted products is also a problem or is it more like just overconsumption of like buying new clothes from like these companies? Cause I mean, I know a lot of people are into like thrifting now, but I'm wondering like how, if like, if we will, if we hold on to the same like shopping habits, but just like change our mindset to be like, oh, this is okay because it's thrifted. Like, is that, is that Mm -hmm. any better? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure. I feel like thrifting is so complicated because uh, one, most of the things that are thrifted are thrown away and are like shipped to other countries and thrown in their landfills. So most things that are thrifted aren't even bought. So it's like, can you really overconsume it? Because there's so much fashion that people donate and especially like stuff with, okay, when people donate like their old ratty shirts with like holes and dirt stain, girl, why are you donating that? Throw that away. <laughs> like you're not helping nobody. No poor person wants that. Like, so you have all that stuff in the mix and most of it is probably stuff like that. And that stuff's just going to be thrown away as well. So can you overconsume? thrifting I'm not really sure but then I know you know intersections also exist and I can't speak on this completely but I know some people talk about when you know rich girls go into thrifting and they buy stuff and then they upsell it like that's not cute like let's not do that (laughs) um and when you take away or when you like go in and you buy something from the plus size section and then you cut it up and you make it into something new and then upsell it. It's like, one, there's not as many, you know, cute plus size outfits. So I guess that gets more into ethics of should people do that? I don't know. It's like you're giving some clothes a new home. And I guess ethics can work in more than one way of the the sustainability aspect, but then also, okay, are you taking outfits away from other people who might benefit from it more? Are you, you know, upselling it when someone could have bought that for $5, but you're trying to sell it for 20 and that's just another can of worms. So. Yeah, totally. No, I've just been seeing more of that. Like we're white women and like most likely like white rich women will buy stuff or like acquire like thrifted or vintage products and then like upsell the crap out of them on the internet or like on Instagram or Facebook marketplace or something like that. It's, I feel like it's becoming more of a trend and I feel like the more trendy something gets, the more like 
white and rich it becomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then it's like, it's, it's good that thrifting is a trend and that people are doing it. Like thrifting is good. We should thrift. But it used to shame people for doing it, but now it's trendy. So you do it for fun. We don't need that. So I think that's another like kind of subset of it and something that's kind of going to start coming up of, yeah, we're all thrifting now, but you used to bully people from wearing stuff for the Goodwill. So when are we going to address that girl? Yeah. Why are we gatekeeping Goodwill? Right. Why is it this? (laughs) I'm so cool. And I look, I thrifted these pants or they used to bully people for that. (laughs) Like, come on. Right. When I was in middle school, there was a girl on my bus. Like I told her that I got um, some clothes from Goodwill and she like made fun of me for it. And then the next day I was wearing like a, a shirt that wasn't from Goodwill. And she was like, is that one of the shirts you got from Goodwill? I was like, Uh, 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 oh my God, (laughs) don't let me get up in this bus. (laughs) And now you show it. Yeah, right. right, right. And now you're cool for like, oh, I got this from Goodwill. So are you doing it because you care about the environment and you just want to find some nice cheap stuff? Or are you just trying to, I don't know, appropriate <laughs> thrifting culture, Goodwill culture? I don't know. Or or sometimes so, there's even there's even social, there's like socialization of that because sometimes even if they found a Goodwill or uh what's the that is value village is that a thrifting mm-hmm. place okay yep. it's like even if an item is found there i've heard this a bunch of times where it's like they won't they don't want to admit it because it's a marker of what they perceive to be of a lower class so they'll just say oh i thrifted it and if someone mm. asks them where they're it's either like a lie or it doesn't matter because the the name goodwill or value village still carry some sort of stigma to these mm-hmm. like middle class mm-hmm. folks that go there for fun basically Hmm. No, that makes sense. The connotation of Goodwill versus thrifting. When you say thrifting, you probably mean you went to Goodwill, but people don't say, oh, I went to Goodwill. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's kind of, I guess, while we're kind of talking about it, I want to jump to like talking about like people of color and their involvement in sustainability and like climate change activism. Mm -hmm. Um, So actually one of the questions I I wanted to talk about was um, our gal, uh Greta Thunberg is that how you say her last name yeah Mm -hmm. um I I was just like thinking about this while I was reading through your notes and I was like you know what she's I mean she's a teenager which is great she's she's also white and she's not American right Mm -hmm. no she's not American sorry she's not I just don't want to be talking reckless she is not American I don't want to assume where she's from I think it might be Germany let me give it a google while you keep talking yeah (laughs) But I just wanted to bring up the fact that she's white and I was going to ask you like what your thoughts were on her, because I feel like maybe the reason why she's so popular and has like such a big following is because she's white. Like we see a lot of times like brown people will have like, will be preaching the same things that white people preach. But then like, as soon as that person that's white, skinny, and like by definition attractive does it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is huge. This is big news. You're uh, New York Times bestseller, you're the Time Magazine person of the year, when here's a Nobel Prize, like things like that, where it's like, there are definitely brown people who have been doing this probably for longer. So I just mm-hmm. want to know what, what you think. Like, do you think she would be as popular as she is um, amongst liberals if she were brown? By the way, she's from Sweden. 
Um, no, I agree with what you were saying. I, I don't think she would. I think either way, she's saying something and doing something amazing and very important. It's amazing what she's doing. It's so great right. that someone so young is talking about these things and, you know, being so dedicated. She shouldn't have to because she's a child. Yeah. And I just want to add to like, it and it's, amazing, it's not, but it's not to say that she hasn't like gotten mm-hmm. harassed and like had had to deal with like difficulties from like, we'll call them the uh, like conservatives, <laughs> but it's like, at the same time, would it be worse for a Brown person? Yeah. And going off of that or continuing with that, there was like a climate, like global climate convention, something, they had a bunch of climate activists and there was three white girls and there was one black girl, I believe, but she was definitely a person of color. And in like the newspaper or like online in the article, they cut the black girl out of the photo. And so it was like Greta and these two other girls, but then the black girl got cut out. So it's like, yeah, if if she was brown, she had some color, some melanin, (laughs) she would not have the spotlight that she does. The girl, she's not saying, no no climate activist is saying anything new. Like we're all talking about the same thing here, but the white ones are gonna be the ones who are at the forefront of the movement, but, it should be more inclusive because like I said earlier, everyone experiences climate change based off of different factors. You know, if you're rich and white, you are going to have a much easier time with what's going to happen to our planet. But if you are poor, if you are disabled, if you are a person of color, things are going to be much harder for you. And that's why we need advocates who are able to tell our stories and are able to understand those distinctions. So we're not all treated the same because we aren't the same. And so I think what Greta is doing is amazing, but think about little Miss Flint, how homegirl is still fighting for water. Like, did she get her clean water yet? Or what's going on? So it's things like that. If you have this little black girl who's fighting a really hard fight but we don't hear about her as often anymore. Yeah. Or even like Ilhan Omar's daughter. I don't even Mm -hmm. actually like know her name and that's part of the problem, (laughs) but like other kids who are doing the same thing, but are Brown. So they're not getting the same amount of attention or the same amount of praise for literally saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk some more about how Black um, Indigenous people of color have also been ex- have been excluded from this conversation about sustainability and climate change. Like, what else have you seen? I would say one is in going back to the inaccessibility of you know if you live in a food desert, you don't have access. To the same you know resources to be vegan or vegetarian and so then people shame you why aren't you vegan why aren't you vegetarian they don't have the access like it's a lot of privilege it takes a lot of privilege to be vegan and be vegetarian and so if you shame someone for not doing it especially a person of color 
it's like you're clearly blinded by your own privilege of that. There are so many people who live in food deserts who don't have access to a grocery store with fresh produce. They only have a McDonald's and Popeye's and they clearly only sell meat at fast food restaurants. So I think that's one way we forget. We kind of put these demands on. You need to be buying like, like natural, for example, I wanted to get the native deodorant, which is like a natural, it's like $12 for one thing of deodorant. It's expensive to be a sustainable girl. I will tell you that. <laughs> Sus- like alternative meat products, expensive. Like sustainable. Oh beyond or impossible beyond meat. It's crazy. Expensive. It's expensive. It is really hard to make those swaps, especially if you're used to getting the cheaper, you know, the cheaper one to, to suddenly turn around and be like, I'm going to get this bamboo bamboo toothbrush girl I pay a dollar for a toothbrush now you want me to pay like 12 like you can't just do that all well, of that's, a sudden that's the green tax for you right isn't that what it's called mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not even I mean I'm not super well versed in this but I know that the green tax in particular when it comes to items that are it's kind of like the pink tax where the, mm-hmm. the whole point of it is that it's upcharged for no reason like it's one thing to say that yeah, like obviously some products cost more to produce, therefore they need to charge more. But there are many instances where a product, they slap green on it, or they are able to, to uh, they're able to um, increase a percentage of some sort of uh, green nutrient in it. And then they up the price by twice or three times as much. Yeah. And it's like greenwashing. Uh, you put yes. natural or... I think it's natural. You can say, and there's no certification you need for that. So you're trying to be like organic, but you can't say organic because it's not actually organic. So you say natural. Right. Yeah. And you that, make the box green and brown. Yes. And people are or like, they put oh the little God. leaf, the little leaf yeah. logos. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The FDA mm-hmm. doesn't regulate that shit. They don't regulate what yeah. natural means, which is mm-hmm. a problem. It's a problem. And so then, you have people who are, you know, buying these things. They think that they're doing something. Girl, no, you're not. But, but you don't know. So I think the lack of education as yes. well is 100%. a big hindrance. People don't know. And you can't shame someone for something they don't know and they don't understand and something that's inaccessible to them and out of their reach. It's something that they don't think about. A lot of people of color don't got time to think about climate change. They got other things to worry about, like racism, and prejudice and discrimination. So like climate change and saving the environment isn't on top of mind all the time for them. And that's understandable. You're like, I don't, I'm I'm not trying to worry about that because I'm trying to not, you know, die today. So that makes sense and that's completely valid. So having the privilege to even have that climate anxiety of you're educated enough to understand what's happening and what these companies are doing and these corporations that are contributing so much to climate change to have that knowledge is almost like a privilege to understand that, to understand that you need to do something because many people don't know that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I, I also wanted to bring up, I love your note that says, um, 
people of color are naturally sustainable. Your mom reusing containers for years. <laughs> that made me laugh too. <laughs> that was amazing. But, but it's, it's true. true. But it's true. So I think that's another way that people of color are left out. The ways that we are sustainable are almost seen as like not as valid. Or it's like, you. I know you got a drawer full of plastic oh bags that you it, reuse for like, everything it's classist and it's racist like it's seen like oh mm-hmm. using reusing containers oh that's that's ghetto or that's that's what mm-hmm. poor people do just buy a new one but it's like no this is actually sustainability <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and like they don't even know it's just like i'm just not trying to waste yeah that's what sustainability is you don't want to waste you don't need to waste right. you have so much waste so you're trying to save where you can you're trying to reuse where you can but like you said it's racist and it's classist and it's you know ghetto when poor people do it and black people do it but cool and trendy when white people do it oh my god white girls will bring their bag lunch in the same bag they did yesterday and they'd be like i'm being sustainable i got my lily lemon bag (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and i've been using this plastic bag i used it for a shower cap i used it for my lunch bag I used it for garbage. <laughs> like, I keep going. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, that, or you can kind of think about how there are a lot of people of color who are vegan. Um, think of like Indian food. There's so many types of Indian food that are vegetarian, you know, naturally vegetarian options. But I think those are often discredited. Oh, and that's a whole other conversation I have recently was watching I don't remember if I sent if I told you about this Leah I told Zach about it I was watching David Chang's uh, Netflix show Ugly Delicious the other day and they did an episode um on um on fried rice and um they were talking about how like people are so afraid of Asian food and they opened up this whole like conversation about like racism in food and that's the thing like people don't want to think oh I'm going to go eat Indian food because there's all these like stereotypes that come with eating food from Asia and it's like people want to want to eat Chinese food people don't want to eat Indian food and it's like that's probably the food that you should be eating that's like some of the most natural food there is like it's coming from plants that we don't have it's coming from like other things that aren't like prominent in American culture but they don't want to have that conversation because it's Asian it's gross like and they were talking about like food reviews that always review Asian restaurants as like dirty and then like as soon as a white person opens up a restaurant that serves Asian food it's like this is the best Asian restaurant in New York City like all this stuff no that that makes so much sense again when othered people do it people we consider to be othered and marginalized or doing something it's oh that's weird but in a few years it's going to be a trend of probably there's this meat alternative in Asia that everyone's using right now and here in America we're like oh that's weird that's gross but in a few years it's going to be a trend in America some white woman is going to be like already everybody on tiktok everybody on tiktok's making seitan and like seitan's been a part of asian food and like specifically like taiwanese culture for a long time like i follow this guy on instagram he's like a taiwanese um vegan chef and he makes like taiwanese and asian foods like that are already vegan or already vegetarian and he just makes them vegan but it's like now everybody's learning how to make seitan on the internet and it's like oh my god it's like a huge thing now 
but it's always been a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's never credit given where credit is deserved. Yes. It's like, oh my God. You can't trash that and bully people and say that that smells bad and that's oh weird, God. but all of a sudden we love it because we're just sustainable queens here. We just love our meat alternatives. So, <laughs> <laughs> anything for a meat alternative. And I think the other thing, <laughs> I think the other thing related um, to, you know, food and people of color and sustainability, I would say with indigenous cultures, eating meat is something that's a part of a lot of their cultures. And they have lived with the earth and with the land and we're doing just fine until some colonizers came over here. So there are ways to eat meat and be sustainable and to hunt or to fish and things like that and be sustainable. So I think sometimes some people who are like these huge um, animal activists and like save the planet, save the earth, sometimes, you know, you're so stuck in your own culture you don't have that cultural competency to understand okay but other people might look at animals differently or you know other people have different viewpoints other than your yours and that doesn't make it invalid and it's possible to again eat meat or fish or hunt or whatever it is and still be sustainable and not destroy the earth because native people have done that for hundreds of years and so maybe if we listened to them and gave them more spotlight we we wouldn't be in this mess but we don't do that so that's why we continue to have these problems well and the reality is they and they being like white supremacist society don't want people like us to be at the head of this conversation they don't want us to be the head of any conversation so it's like if we're going to have a conversation about environmentalism and climate change they're going to be the ones deciding what's said and what's not and how they're going to be the ones controlling the narrative so it's like as soon as people of color are like hey we've been doing this for thousands of years it's like oh oh, oh no 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 but, mm-hmm. but there's also like like basically actively sh- like pissing on them at the same time like i think think about like going back to uh uh native and indigenous people being erased like let's go back to the dakota access pipeline mm-hmm debacle shitstorm where it's just like these are people's land and the government just didn't care and we're out here like pepper spraying and spraying water on peaceful protesters in freezing temperatures just because they're trying to protect their homeland from being ravaged by this man-made thing exactly and and people don't care. Or I think back to last year when Australia was on fire and uh, that was forever ago and started the year out with a bang. But when uh, um, Australia was on fire and I remember following a lot of native activists who were talking about how they have, you know, certain practices to avoid that. Or I'm not completely well-versed. So I can't speak on it completely, but Indigenous people to Australia kind of have methods for dealing with the climate in Australia because they've lived there for, you know, hundreds of years, but they're not listened to by their 
government and their methods are discredited and they're just not taken seriously. Like we don't listen and we won't listen until it's too late. And I'm sure we're gonna, you know, a, a native activist is probably gonna be saying something right now. And then in a few years, a white person is gonna say the same thing and then we're gonna listen, even though there are so many people of color who tirelessly, tirelessly talk about these things and have the perspectives that we need to fix the problem. But, you know, our society doesn't want to listen. Well, I'm curious. I think this might relate to something. Is I don't believe it's in the notes, but it just kind of popped into my brain. I wonder what your thoughts are on this idea. Uh, and I'm going to draw from Western examples of communities of color being forgotten in the wake of environmental disaster. And I think the most notable one in the last couple of decades is probably Hurricane Katrina. And I never thought I would bring up Kanye West on this podcast, but I feel like he kind of had a point when he said famously on that telecast, George Bush doesn't care about Black people because they were Mm -hmm. just 100% shafted during that. And I know to some extent the city and the state wasn't prepared for that um, level of disaster, but it was still, I think, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. I Kanye he was right. They don't care about Black people. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. People of color, poor people are going to be hit the hardest by climate change. When you think back to the winter in Texas, how they were saying like some people were having their lights turned off and things like that. It wasn't the rich people. Well, the rich people had generators. So even if their lights did get turned off, they were going to be okay but there were some people who didn't have backup generators and depending on where they lived they were in the neighborhood that got their lights cut off and got their power cut off and what color were those people how you know what was the income in those zip codes where that was happening and so there's probably so many examples if you really think hard about it where you hear about these natural disasters and how it was handled based on the population. But I think many people aren't educated and aren't trained to have that perspective. And you don't understand the intersections of race and environmentalism. So you don't even make the connections because you don't know that there's a connection that needs to be made. And I think that's why it keeps getting swept under the rug because people don't even know that environmental racism is a thing and is a term that should be in our vocabulary when you're talking about activism. But it is, it's something that impacts people every day and they don't even know that they're being impacted by it. Yeah, it just always seems like relief, like I guess like swift relief adequate relief is always targeted towards more affluent, ergo white communities. Like think about, um, obviously there are fires that happen all the time uh, out West in California uh, and other neighboring states, but like recently the campfire, it's just, it's predominantly white populations living in these areas. And the response was so swift and so adequate and there was relief given and then like you said, we brought this up earlier, like in the Flint situation, predominantly black community still not solved. It's literally been years and the, and the news media, everyone's just kind of moved on. Yeah. Like no one's talking about 
Flint anymore, even though they should be, or they periodically check in and it's like, that's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Or I sometimes feel like um, in terms of those, speaking of news media, like in terms of the stories of relief and rescue, a lot of the focus gets put on the so-called heroes and not to downplay their involvement. Like obviously like uh, rescue workers and, and emergency workers are heroic and they help save people. But I see a lot of the time the narrative is so much like, look at these firefighters, let's be honest, usually like white firefighters or whatnot, instead of focusing on stories in the community of the community lifting itself up. And I'm sure that can be rather frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like they do that with police too. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but it's all connected. It's always connected. Those kind of white savior stories. And you're able to better control the narrative when you come yeah. from that perspective of, oh, the, the first responders and the fire people and all that. Like valid stories and important stories. But when they go home there's still going to be an impact on that community that the community is going to have to deal with on their own. And for years to come, people in, you know, New Orleans and Katrina, they're still dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And they will probably continue to for a very long time. Who knows? There are probably so many people who weren't able to rebuild and are still struggling. Yeah. We don't hear about them anymore. We don't really know. We don't understand. So. Yeah. yeah. In terms. Sorry, Yuli. Oh, no, you can go. I'm just going to say in terms of framing too, like you were alluding to, the the media loves to, um, they love to shape a, a cynical negative reality into a palatable digestible even feel-good story for that's actually what i was gonna say too because like america loves a charity story they would rather tell the story of a girl who's giving out free water bottles in her neighborhood than to tell the story of like what the government officials aren't doing to make sure it's clean accessible water for the whole community like yeah Mm. and, and even in terms of texas which just happened like you know the the media loves to be like oh, these neighbors huddled together in their garage with a pilot light to keep warm, how heartwarming, instead of like, write a, <laughs> let's write a fucking expose on what led to this moment. And yes, of course those exist, yeah. but like they're from fringe or what I would consider fringe media. Like I know Vox did a really good 10 minute uh, video on what led to the Texas situation, but like shit like CNN, CNBC, Today Show, like the the, right. the, the outlets that are getting the- majority of viewers and listeners it's always that shit like you said like water bottles or or teamwork and those stories are important but like let's acknowledge how we got here because they wouldn't have happened in the first place right they shouldn't have to be happening like a little girl shouldn't have to be giving out free water or like the community shouldn't have to rally together to raise money or like these things shouldn't be happening and it's like it's crazy to me that that's the narrative they would rather tell than even think about talking about why it's happening in the first place. I hate it here. (laughs) We don't address the systemic issues. (laughs) Yeah, same. No, you start to get fired up, but we don't address the systemic issues. We try to put a Band-Aid over it of just give them some water bottles. Girl, no, they don't got water. Fix the pipes, do something. 
Right. Well, that's also a sustainable job, but that's also an issue because now like Flint alone is using up, is throwing away plastic water bottles, like when they shouldn't have to, it's crazy. Like we're using plastic water bottles over and over and over again when like that, it should, this should not have even gotten this far in the first place. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it, It just becomes yeah like the climate anxiety is real it's like as individuals there there are things we can do and as individuals we should do things but at the same time we can only do so much and there there is a point where the government and these corporations they're going to have to do a lot because they are responsible for this mess Mm -hmm. you know and I think you know, our money is power as consumers. So we can do things as individuals. And sometimes it does feel like it's pointless and you feel guilty about, yeah, getting a plastic water bottle or, you know, a non-reusable plastic water bottle or something. But it's, it's not the end of the world. Like you shouldn't feel bad about those things. And sometimes you, I have to tell myself, like, it, it's fine. Like I said, the one top from H&M, isn't going to kill the planet it's okay but then at the same time it's like if that's okay then it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that and then you can just keep going in this cycle a vicious cycle so it is hard sometimes but I think thinking about the things you can do and like the like I say outfit repeating is one of the most sustainable things you can do because the most sustainable thing you have is the thing already in your closet. And so I think as well, thinking about those smaller things can kind of help relieve that stress of thinking about the state of our world. Well, I like what you said in the notes about it's better for a thousand people to do little things than 10 people to be perfect, which I've never heard before. And I even texted Ely when I read it in the outline, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a good way to reflect on our role in this without letting guilt crush us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes like, like I've made some changes in my own house. Like I've, I've switched to like uh, sustainable cleaning products and I've, you know, switched to like reusable paper towels and like things like that, but I'll like still get on myself. Oh, I don't have compost bins, like, ugh, like things like that. But it's like, no, I'm still doing little things that are going to make a difference in the long run. So I think we all just need to be proud of ourselves. And again, like point the finger at the big guys who are actually the reason why we're in this problem. Like we've been around for 24 years as the three of us, whereas like climate, the climate crisis has been a problem for a long time. So we can't place blame on ourselves and can't like feel guilty if we're not perfect because this is a society we were born into. Mm -hmm. Agreed. You can't change it. You can make the personal changes and you can influence your friends and you know, that's one of the reasons why I made my Instagram account. Maybe someone can get just some little ideas of little swaps that they can do. And that's impactful. And you have to remember that the little things are impactful. Our dollars are impactful. If people, you know, join together and as individuals and as a society, we join together, we can make a change. And that's all we have to fight for, the things that we can control. And until then, I think the government needs to get on top of this and needs to put their work in. We need to 
continue to fight and spread the word and advocate that the people who have the power to make the big changes, that they will make the big changes. And I'm talking about you, Mr. Joe Biden. I got some words for you. I said, Green New Deal. I said, you said, <laughs> I, I nah. can go and find. <laughs> you made some promises. And I'm holding you to it, Joseph. He will not stop the fracking. The fracking will not <laughs> no, stop. No, <laughs> it's, they were like, "We are not ending fracking," but you should. You Why are you should. trying to make that distinct? It's not good. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough look either way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we need a green new deal ASAP. We need government like assistance. We need the government to do something about it. For Even sure. RuPaul fracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> RuPaul, no. Hey, RuPaul's a whole other <laughs> Those podcast. Are the jokes. <laughs> Our next episode can be exhausted by RuPaul. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, too exhausted for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do we have any other further thoughts? I don't want to keep you too long. Our special guest. Well, I wanted to actually ask, like, we've talked a lot about like anxiety and like the bad things, but I want to know, like, who are some people that you actually see online or just like in real life that are doing like sustainability in a good way and in a non-harmful way or like causing the least harm as possible? Like, is there anyone that you follow or anyone that you know of that you would like to like give a shout out? Um, yeah, one of my favorite influencers on uh, the IG is at Green Girl Leah. She's super cool. And she's someone that I discovered toward the beginning of quarantine when I first got into uh, sustainability. She has an Instagram account and uh, another Instagram account called the Intersectional Environmentalist, which is a brand she created that pretty much encompasses all of the things I've been talking about tonight about the intersections of race, clash gender and climate change and environmentalism um so i would definitely recommend following the intersectional environmentalist and they point out all of those you know small little niches that you might not understand how you know people with disabilities experience environmentalism and climate change so differently and if you're not disabled if you're you know able body you probably don't understand it's like the straw thing when people were talking about just ban straw straws and disabled people are like but I need straws so it's like they're really really great about pointing those things out and it's a very amazing informational source so I would say that's my go-to and a great place to start to have a full overview of how um inter intersections and environmentalism work together well when you mentioned it hey. i was like i was like how many leahs are there oh in the- I don't know. <laughs> collectively we know too many leahs <laughs> yeah it's something about being it's, you gotta have a leah in your life i don't trust yeah. you if you don't got a leah in your life <laughs> and a leo leah you're a leo Thanks. yes yep i'm a leo leo rising you're a leo rising too me? Yeah, you told me this. You said you're a Leo rising. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, me too. Wait, rising <laughs> is like your main sign, right? No. Oh, okay. Wait, then what's your main, your birthday's in July. Oh, you're a cancer. I'm a Virgo. No. 
I'm a Virgo. Let's have a brief oh, your birthday's astrology in August. lesson. Yeah, your birthday's in August. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm late August. I'm late I was August, thinking it was in why. July for some reason. That's racist. Wow, you uh, forgot. <laughs> you don't even know her. <laughs> you forgot my birthday? Yeah, no, I'm a Virgo sun, Cancer moon, but I don't like to talk about that. And a no, Leo rising. Not. Okay, now that makes sense. Yes, I probably am a Leo rising. Mm-hmm. Um, early okay. told me. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for reminding me okay yeah i um, got you is there any other like positive things we want to end on like zach do you want to ask her anything i don't know i think you asked a really good question to end on and we're experimenting with shorter episode lengths so since we've been talking for an hour just about this might be good. However, Leah, I would, I'm going to put it in the episode description, but if you would like, you could go ahead and restate your Instagram handle for people to follow. Yeah. Where can they find you, Leah? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at sustainable Leah is sustainable underscore Leah. With an H. Yep. Leah with the H L E A H. Dope. Yeah, I'll put it in the description. Hopefully, it'll automatically link to Instagram or something. Um, it probably won't, but cool. <laughs> well, I don't have an Instagram, okay. so I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. I'll make sure I tag if I. I'll share um on Instagram. Can I get like a photo of us though for promo of us talking? Like, can we pose and do something cute? Oh. Yes. What do you want me to do? Okay. Do something cute. Wait, are you taking it? I'm going to take it on my phone. Yeah. Or should I take a screenshot? I'll take a screenshot. That's better. That's like <laughs> ghetto. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. Oh, wait. We have to hold on. Oh, we have to do I move it too fast. No, no, no. We have to do it while I like do the thing. Okay. Ready? Everybody? Do the- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leah! <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> we're going and then after i took it you went <laughs> to another one. you ain't give no type of warning girl like i can't get a one two three okay fine <laughs> hold on we'll do it again we'll do it again okay everyone ready hold on. one <laughs> two three <laughs> You done? <laughs> yes, that's did you, good. That's did you good. get it? Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> it was so fast. I didn't know it was happening. Sorry, I was taking a screenshot like okay. on my computer. Um, okay, thank confusion. you so much. Okay, Leah. when does this air? So, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yes, you were a amazing first guest, honestly. Yeah, honestly, you were well, so thank good. You. At, like, thank you. The listeners are going Girl, to love I just you. be talking. I just talk all the time. I just be like, girl, speed it up <laughs> to myself. <laughs> no, you were good. Okay, I mean, thank you. Yeah. When is it air? So I'm not listening it to it again. I'm not I might play <laughs> it in the background, and like mute it because I can't hear myself, but I want y'all to get the views. That oh, but. thank you. And you, you know, you could share it to your friends too. But this episode is going to be out. So hold on. Let me look at the calendar just so I have the exact right date. Um, next week, Thursday, right? It is going to be Thursday, April 8th. 
Ooh, wonderful. But yeah, I'll definitely share on the gram. I'm a, a micro micro influencer. Oh. So <laughs> wait, actually, I just pretend it's like I'm an influencer. How many followers do you have actually? Bro, like 80. <laughs> She is I just popping. yeah I just like to pretend like I'm an influencer it's kind of fun to Girl, think people care about me okay also like, the yeah, wig girl, you had for Nashville is stunning oh my girl you gotta get like, one can we talk Wait. about my friend bro oh! I went off I really you went off wow. I said you it. went off <laughs> I did I had to stunt I was just feeling like it so I stunt but no you you your next move should be a wig for the summer. I might have to, low key. Is this a wig too? This is a cute one. Yep, that's a wig too. I love it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep cute. the, gotta Girl, embrace look at my friend. My... She's beautiful. Wait, She's how, elegant. How tall are you? Because I've seen some pictures of you Girl, that you look really tall. I'm 5'9. So. Oh, okay. Taller yes. than Ely. Oh, girl <laughs> but yeah tall girl representation is what we deserve okay thank you so much leah for joining us today you were amazing well thank you for having me i really loved um being on the show with y'all i agree we come back having you i will definitely come back tell me something to talk about and i'll talk about it all right uh we exhausted will. by rupaul Boom. yeah oh i'll God. be here <laughs> We need to have be there. another gay on that podcast, I think. Just yeah. To really ratchet up the volume. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. um, okay. But thank you everyone for listening. You know, hope you tune in again next week. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> Help us secure the bag. Just kidding. We're not getting paid for No. That. Oh, actually, I want to slip this in right now just because I think it might be funny. For our listeners, we've been approached with a sponsorship offer. However... Um, it's, <laughs> we need a thousand views and episodes make $15. So if you want to spread the word so we can make $15. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to split the $15. Yeah. Pathetic. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But we're not doing this for the money. We promise. Yeah. We said that to ourselves. <laughs> we were like, we're not doing this for the money. This is for us. And to make sure that we spend time together every week. And I think it's, it's been working. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, join us as we interview my doorman. <laughs> Just kidding. If we That's interview Debbie next week, she's gonna be like, "Huh?" <laughs> we need to figure out what we're talking about next week. Yeah, we. Are- <laughs> yeah. Okay. Y'all are funny people. Leah's just sitting there like, okay. Can I okay. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just third wheeling right now. No, no, no. Okay. But okay. Sorry, sorry, I'll just sorry. laugh along too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll say goodbye and then Ely can stop recording. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Have a good well, night. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>